All right, well, we are able to jump into our message this morning. Uh, this is week six of a seven-week series that we are going to be wrapping up next week. And uh, hopefully this has been an impactful series for you. I know I've had a lot of conversations where people have said, man, this is something I've needed to chew on, and this is something I've never really heard about before, and I've needed this in my faith. And so uh, we've been talking about the concept of identity. If this is your first time here, we're talking about identity. And I've said this, that every single one of us, doesn't matter how old we are, we are asking one simple question, who am I? Who am I? Doesn't matter if you're a kid, doesn't matter if you're older. Who am I? And we're constantly trying to figure out who we are. We're constantly trying to figure out our identity. And what I've said in this series is that God's desire for us is that we would receive our identity from him rather than try to find our identity in other things. This is what we normally do. We're out there trying to find it in, in relationships, find it in experiences, find it in successes, find it in you know, whatever it is in school, the sport I play, whatever it is, the career I have. We're trying to find it. And God's saying, no, I have something that is for you that can never be taken away. And it is found in one place. It's in Christ. And I've shown you this picture, so I'm going to bring it up one more time over and over again. We've got this picture of the boat. And we said, when we give our lives to Christ, we are in Christ. And just like a person who gets inside of a boat, there are things that become true of the person, not because they're great, but because they got in the boat. And the same thing is true when we are in Christ. When we give our lives to Christ, we receive an identity that is now true of us, whether we feel it, whether we think it, it's just a spiritual reality because we are in Christ, because we got in the boat. And, and, and I've, uh, I've kind of shared some of these things over the last several weeks. I've made you talk. I'm going to make you talk to me again, okay? Get ready for it, folks, okay? Because in Christ, repeat after me, I am redeemed. In Christ, I am a saint. Say it. And I am adopted. This is the spiritual reality of those who are in Christ. And the more we understand who we are, the more we can actually live as God's called us to live. And so I want to explain this for you. If you understand this fact that I am redeemed, when you understand that you in Christ are redeemed, God has bought you back, guess what? There is a joy and a peace that can come to your life. There's peace. Like, okay. Like, I've been redeemed already. Like, this is what God has done for me. I'm not the one striving, trying to make this happen myself. No, God has redeemed me, right? When you understand that, that you are a saint, not that you're trying to be a saint, but you are a saint in Christ, there's a freedom. Rather than saying, I've got to muster this thing up and figure out, I've got to overcome. No, no, you are an overcomer in Christ. Just start living like it. Live out of the abundance of what God has already provided for you. And in the same way, when you understand that in Christ you are adopted, you are a son or a daughter of the King of Kings, when you get that, when you get a hold of that truth, there is a security that is there. There is a, a safety. There's a confidence that comes from that, when we can live from that position. But today, we're going to look at another couple of principles. And I think what we look at today is more than just simply going to say, what do we feel? But it's going to give us a purpose that we can live from, okay? And that's what God's calling to us. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse number 16. As you're turning there, we're in our Bible reading plan, and we're going through the New Testament right now. And so if you've missed it, go ahead and uh, you can go online at the top of our homepage. Click the link and join in if you would like to. Would you stand with me across the room? So we're going to read our text here. If this is your first time with us, you've never been with us before, we stand. There's nothing sacred about it. It's just our tradition to say, God, we value your word over my word, all right? 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 16, says this. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. 
Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Pray, God, that you would speak to us today, that we would hear from you, and that we'd walk out of this place different. We pray that in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. You can be seated. Question, how many of you know a spoiled child? How many of you know a spoiled child? How many of you rode to church today with a spoiled child? Okay. How many of you were the sp- <laughs> how many of you were the spoiled child when you were a kid? Some of you you know it like that's okay, right? I was a little bit. I was you know I was the youngest. I got spoiled a little bit. That's fine. But here's the problem. You know what happens? A child gets spoiled when everything becomes about them, right? Because then they think everything revolves around them. And the sad reality is that when it's all about you, joy is actually lost. Like you, you say, oh, it's all about me, and then I'll be happy. No, you won't actually, okay? We, were designed, we weren't designed to be the focal point of our lives. We weren't. When we are, things get toxic in our lives. Uh, this happened to Amber and I a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Amber and I got invited to go to this conference. You know, and Amber and I, to be honest, we're kind of like Holiday Inn kind of people. We're like, you know, we're not going to the fancy stuff. This conference was at the Ritz-Carlton. It was like, whoa. It was like, so we walk into this place, and it was like, whoo, a little bit beyond what we're used to. You know, everything's all shiny and clean, and there's like Mr. and Mrs. Linz, and can we do that? I'm like, okay, this is not what we're used to. Okay, and so for a few days, it was kind of fun. It was like, look, we got people. <laughs> I've never had people. People do stuff for us, and they clean stuff. And when they came to clean your room, like it was next level cleaning, you know, like they came into our room, and they would clean it. I mean, they spent like an hour in your room cleaning. We went at, after a, a little bit, and they had done some work in there. My cable, like my four-foot you know, cell phone cable charger, I go and I find it. They've wrapped the entire thing up and tied it together with a golden ribbon. Like, <laughs> who does that? right? I never experienced that in my life. It's weird, okay? But something happened a few days into this experience is we're, you know, we're there a few days and everything's all about, this is awesome, whatever. And we came back to our room fully expecting that they had turned on our room and kind of done some of the cleaning and takes, whatever. And I walk in and they hadn't gotten to our room yet. And I had this moment like, I can't believe they didn't do our room yet. What in the world? Are they slacking? Like, I had this moment like, well, you got to chill out, Greg. You're getting spoiled real fast. It's like it really quickly can turn inward, doesn't it? And I think the sad reality is that oftentimes can happen in our faith. We're so grateful for what God has done, but un- unfortunately, it suddenly becomes about us. You know, this is one of the reasons why we worship. Why do we gather? The very first thing we do on a Sunday morning, we gather together. Do we sing about ourselves? No, we come to sing about who he is to reflect, to worship God. Why? Because it's a reminder that we are not the point. We are not the center. It's actually the most life-giving thing you can do to realize it's not about you. That's the best thing for you. It will set you free when you realize it's not about you. Suddenly, I don't, it doesn't have to be. I don't have to be the spoiled, rotten ch- child who, who nothing is good enough anymore, right? Because it's not about me. It's all about him. Hear this. When anything is all about us, it ultimately rots just does. And so when we come to this whole idea of identity, 
We, we talk about I am, I am, I am, all these things. And this is so good and so foundational. And we have to get a hold of this truth. But I caution us that if suddenly the end result of this is like, I'm so great. Look at all the things I am. It will rot, okay? It will rot. If it suddenly is all about you, it's going to lead to a very, very unhealthy place. And so this morning, we're going to look at two statements. One of those is, once again, a reminder of who we are. But the second one is going to assign a purpose which will keep us from ever making it about us. All right? Look at two statements here this morning. The first one I want to look at is this. In Christ, we are reconciled. In Christ, we are reconciled. You know what it's like to be reconciled. You ever been in a fight, right? You're in a fight with your spouse, with your kids, with your parents, right? With a coworker, whatever. You're in a fight. And you have that season of tension. You know what I'm talking about? Like you feel awkward. You feel uncomfortable. You don't want to be around them. You're like, this is awkward. This isn't working out, right? There's just tension there, okay? And then you all know what it's like when you actually are able to deal with that. And there's just like a, you know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, things are back to the way they're supposed to be. There's a sense of being reconciled, of, of being made right here. See, that's what it means to be reconciled to God. But mankind has this deep understanding. We do. We have this understanding that there is something broken. Every one of us feels it. All of mankind has felt it. This is the why there are so many religious systems in the world. Why is it? Because mankind knows we've got to make something right. There's something that's wrong, and I've got to somehow reconcile myself to God. I've got to try and make things right. That's what we're called to. But the good news of the gospel is that, that things have been done on our behalf. What does it say here in verse 16? It says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Other translations say that person is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. Verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. That's the gospel. The gospel is not, I will figure it out. I will make it better. I will be a good little boy or girl, and then God will have to like me. That is not the gospel. The gospel is that God has done the reconciliation on your behalf through Christ. And it's available to every single one of us. Doesn't matter what our past is. Doesn't matter the mistakes that we've made. It is still available when we are in Christ. It's God's favor. It isn't that we're trying to gain his favor. It is that we have found his favor in Christ. Now this reality, this spiritual reality, should change the way that we approach God. Because how do we approach normal relationships? Think about it for a second, okay? Uh, you've got a relationship, you know, this kind of work. You, you've been fighting with your spouse. You've been fighting with somebody, whatever. What happens is when, if we're not wanting to be reconciled, sometimes we just instead will replace that with sucking up. Have you ever done that before? I'll tell you what I'm talking about. So if I've done something to hurt my wife or frustrate my wife, sometimes I might be found doing a lot of cleaning around the house. Anybody relate? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, hey, babe, look at me. I'm cleaning, right? Like, I'm I'm good. I bought you a present, right? Here's some flowers. Here's some, you know what? We do these kind of things. Why? Because it's this, it's this way that we kind of get around, try to make things right by just sucking up a little bit. And as much as I love it when people want to suck up to me, that's fine. How many know that's an artificial relationship? It's plastic. It's not real. There isn't real intimacy there. There's like this fake thing going on. And, and un unfortunately, I think a lot of times this is the relationship that we have with God. 
We, we don't understand the spiritual reality that we have been reconciled in Christ. And so we're constantly trying to reconcile ourselves to Christ, to God. Right? Look at God, look what I'm doing. And here's the problem is that when we still think we are the ones who are doing the reconciling, then we only bring God the things that we feel good about. We hide the stuff that we don't. We hide the mistakes. We hide the brokenness. We hide the, the we don't, no, I don't want to bring that stuff to God. We don't ever say it, but we don't acknowledge it. We don't want to bring it before God. God's desire is that we would have a genuine relationship. And rather than trying to figure out how we're going to reconcile, we would recognize the reality that we cannot reconcile ourselves. We only do it in Christ. And through that, once we have a confidence of our reconciliation, we can have a genuine relationship that says, God, I know I'm a mess. It's okay. Because you're the one who does the work. Praise the Lord, right? It's not me. And I can be honest. I can be authentic, just like David all throughout the book of Psalms. He can, he can speak about all the reality. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't like this. I'm not happy with this. What? He could be real before God because he knew that he wasn't his hope. God was. That's what it means to be reconciled to God. There's an authenticity that comes. There is a freedom that only comes when we understand that we are reconciled in Christ. He does the work on our behalf. So in Christ, we are reconciled. Uh, but the passage doesn't end here. And so what I want to do is I want to go to the very uh, next passage uh, or next couple of verses here, beginning in verse number 18, if you want to read along with me. It says this, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world. He's, he's explaining what this ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us, other translations say he has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Here's the second spiritual truth you need to get a hold of. It's this, in Christ, we are ministers of reconciliation. That's who we are. We are ministers of reconciliation. This is a purpose that we've been assigned to make sure this whole thing of identity doesn't become all about us. God says, hey, all this stuff is true so that you might become a minister of reconciliation. Now to understand what it is, I first have to clarify what it isn't. Because this is a, this is a verse that has gotten hijacked of late and assigned to different purposes to it. Okay? In our world right now, there's lots of brokenness that, that exists in our world. There's lots of relational brokenness that exists in our world. There's lots of racial brokenness that has happened in our world. And this verse has gotten hijacked on many occasions. Now, should we seek reconciliation in every facet? Absolutely. Should we be those who are advocates for racial reconciliation? Absolutely. But that's not what this passage is about. This passage is saying that for every single believer, your number one purpose is to be a minister of reconciliation. And that isn't just a man to man. That is a reconciliation between God and man to say, listen, there is a God in heaven who has who's done the work on your behalf to proclaim that truth. That's what we are called to as believers, to be those types of ministers of reconciliation. That's the command that we've been given. That's the, the role that we have been entrusted to, Okay. And so the text explains, it talks about this, the message of reconciliation. What is it? I've shared it already. God is reconciling people to himself in Christ. That is the message that you get to proclaim. And therefore it says that we are God's 
ambassadors. We all know what an ambassador is, right? We've got, a, you know, um, the USA is an ambassador to some foreign nation. What are you doing as an ambassador? You are bringing the values, the purposes, the ideals of your home nation to this foreign place. That's what we are. We are called to be those ambassadors. So when you're on the job, so when you are at your home, so when you're at school, wherever you are, your job is to be an ambassador of Christ, of his kingdom, of his values, and of his gospel message. This message that says we are reconciled only through Christ. That's what you're called to. Okay? I love the other phrase it says this in verse or chapter 6 verse 1. We didn't read it, but it says it as God's co-workers. You realize this isn't just yours to do. This isn't just his to do. This is ours to do. He has invited you to partner in this whole thing of the gospel, which to me is kind of crazy. Like why would he why would he want it but he's invited us into this story that we would get to be a part of what he is doing in the world, okay? And so we haven't been saved simply. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm reconciled, cool. You haven't been saved simply so you can sit around and revel in your salvation, okay? If that's what you think it is, you've missed the point. It isn't to revel in it. We have been called to bring the message of salvation to the world around us. We have been entrusted with a purpose to share what God has done for us and on our behalf and what is available to the world around us, okay? And so this morning, uh, to be able to help get a hold of this a little bit better, to understand this a little bit better, I have a guest that I want to invite up here in a moment. And uh, this is one of those guests, uh, traveled from a long ways away. Maybe you've never heard of her. Her name is Amber, and she's my wife. Can you give it up for my wife, Amber? So funny. You're just so funny. I am so funny. Thanks, Amber. Yes. (laughs) Well, uh, we are... uh, Many of you, you know, you didn't know this. By the way, it was my wife's birthday this last week, so woohoo. Um, was birthday week at our house. I'm tired after that week, but it was good. <laughs> we are, uh, you know, some of you have heard part of Amber's story. Others of you maybe haven't heard all of her story, and uh, this isn't one of those times where you're going to hear everything, but there's a part of her story that I think really helps us understand what it is God is calling us to here. And so I wanted to be able to give her a chance to be able to share a little bit here this morning about that. And so, so for you, Amber, why don't you tell, give us a little backstory a little bit, how you were raised, and then eventually where your faith journey led you kind of to the end of high school. All right. Well, good morning again. Um, I was raised in a Christian family. Uh, my dad has been a pastor for the last 27 years, something like that. He got saved later on in life. Um, Him and my mom went into ministry years later. And I, you know, as you look back and you think about your story and where you came from, for me, really the highlight, in the highlight reel, it's like my faith was never my own. I was taught what it meant to live a Christian life. I went to church all the time. I did all the things, but I was not living for the Lord. And for me, my identity and my worth was in what the world had to offer me. Uh, I found my identity in relationships with guys, unhealthy relationships with guys. Uh, I was way more into partying and being the life of the party versus standing for what I knew was true. I struggled with an eating disorder. Um, In so many ways, I felt completely lost. And I knew what was true. I knew that I knew the truth, but I honestly didn't know if I wanted really anything to do with the truth. And I I have talked to teenagers where you're in really crucial points in your life, a lot of you teenagers right now, where you get to decide the way you want to live your life. You get to decide the direction you want to walk. Are you going to follow Jesus or are you going to do what the world does? 
and you get to decide, am I gonna be different? And so many of you adults in this room, you're like, yeah, those teenagers. <laughs> I hate to say it, we all have junk in our lives. Yeah. We all have things that we come in here and we hide. We pretend that we've got it all together, but in the you know, dark room where nobody else is watching, you're not living for the Lord. You're not glorifying the Lord. You have a decision to make. Am I gonna live for him? or am I gonna do things my way? And in so much of my life, I got to this place where eventually I didn't really know if I wanted to live for Jesus. And uh, in so many different circumstances or things of events, I'm trying to make this shorter, condensed, than it is, I was very hurt by people in the church. And so honestly, if that's what it looked like to be the church, why would I wanna be in the church? Everyone expected me or thought I had it all together when really I was so broken inside. I felt like I couldn't talk about it because then I would be looked down upon. And I got to this place where I didn't know, it was a very crucial moment in my life where I didn't know if I even wanted to follow the Lord. If he was real, did I really want anything to do with it? I felt like if I, if I did, I had to live this squeaky clean life. And at this point in my life, everything was a train wreck that I didn't know if God would even forgive me for what I did. That was a constant battle in my mind. Is like, I knew better. Like, there's no way God could forgive me. No way. That's good. That's good. So you had this moment, this kind of the wrestling. It could, can I even be reconciled? Forget whether it's true. Like, is that even a possibility for me? So you had a really pivotal moment. I know that they kind of turned your journey a little bit that happened that, that summer before college. And so talk to us about that. Yeah, I, um, I had a lot of friends in high school and I was popular and whatever that means, but I remember getting mono. And if you haven't had mono, it's awful. And it took me out. I was on strict bed rest. It was the summer before I was off to college. And I remember one day laying in my parents' basement and at that point I had been on bed rest for weeks and not one friend had visited me. <laughs> And I remember thinking, you know, you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul. And that's really in so many ways where I was sitting. I had all these friends. I've chose, I choose a, a whole different lifestyle that I knew wasn't bringing glory and honor to the Lord. And here I was all alone, desperate. And uh, my mom and dad, I was doing a little better one day, and they had this church service at their church one night, and it was a guest speaker. Like, he didn't know me at all, and I didn't know him, and I really did not want to go. So I snuck in the back door. They, my parents made me go. I snuck in the back door. I sat, sat in the back, and I remember, like, literally, I walked in, and not even five minutes later, this guest speaker, like, beelines it for me. I'm like, oh, no, he for sure is going to tell me I'm going to hell. That's, like, literally <laughs> what I thought. And I can remember this like clear as day. And he walks up to me and he looks at me and he gets down on his knees and he said, you know, God wants to forgive all over your life if you'll just let him. It's that simple. And I remember thinking, man, there has to be a God because this is what I've been wrestling with for years. Like there is no way, God, that a God could forgive me for everything I've done, my laundry list of things that were nasty and not glorifying to him was long, but that he would forgive me. Did I even deserve that? I felt like I didn't deserve that. And that was something that I really held on to was, and was part of my healing journey. Yeah. So you experienced, obviously, the lot of story we're jumping through, but you, you come through that transition and, and slow surrendering to Christ and seeing your life reconciled, you experience personal reconciliation to God. Um, but I know there was another pivotal moment because 
there's that we have this conversation about being a minister of reconciliation of of like, okay, well, now God's done something in my life. What does that look like uh, to share that? And so there was, a, I know specifically, there was a pivotal moment in a, in a youth group where, where that opened the door for you. Yeah, you know, my story is, my, unfortunately, it wasn't like, oh, I followed Jesus, the end. There were a lot of hard things that happened after that moment in my dad's church. And I remember going forward thinking, okay, God, you're going to have to show me that you're real because I still don't know if you are. And I don't know if I want to have to give up all of these things to serve you. You know, we come to a point in our life where we have to choose. Are we going to put away our sinful natures, the things that the world says is cool, to follow Jesus? You students, you are at a very crucial point where you have to decide, am I going to put down the, oh, I'm so cool, to I'm going to serve Jesus and maybe not be so cool. I don't know. And uh, I walked into this new season where God began to redeem and restore me. And there was a lot of heart work that had to take place. Um, but I remember thinking, like, there's still no way I could tell my story. Because <laughs> yeah. if I do, people are not going to like it. Or they're going to think, you know, she doesn't have it all together. She's a mess, whatever. And uh, I get plugged in at this church. I go out to college. I get plugged in at a church. And it was really the first time in my life where I felt like I had a pastor, someone to pastor me, the youth pastor, Ryan Skoog, a lot of you know who he is, some of you don't. He was very instrumental to my life. He believed in me. He saw more in me than I ever saw in myself. And I remember one day I interned with the youth group and he said, I want you to share your story. I'm like, you're crazy. (laughs) There is no way I am sharing my story because Greg for sure will get fired because Greg was on staff at the church at the time. Because that's not what a pastor's wife is supposed to do. They're not supposed to air their dirty laundry. There is like no way. And I remember that day where I shared my story for the very first time. And you know, it's hard to talk about your past. And I've heard so many people say, oh, why bring the past up? Why go back there? Because by going back to your past, number one, shows all that God's done in your life. Number two, it brings healing and restoration to yourself. And number three, it is going to help somebody else on their journey with the Lord. And I remember that night I shared at the youth group. Um, and I thought, oh, no, like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I can share it all. And I just did. I shared it everything. And five girls that night came up to me that had struggled with an eating disorder and said, Amber, will you pray with me? And I thought, very for the very first time in my life, everything I've walked through was worth it for this moment. Because if five girls will find healing and restoration because of my story, I'll walk through it over again. Because here's the deal. My story isn't what defines me. It's made me who I am. And I have a responsibility to share the good news of Jesus. Because there is no way I would be sitting here if it wasn't for the grace of God. If there wouldn't have been restoration, if there wouldn't have been healing, if if there wasn't a God that said, you know what, Amber, I don't care where you've been. I welcome you here at the feet of Jesus. And that's the thing that I think is so important for us. So many of you have walked in these doors this morning carrying things that nobody knows. And Jesus is like, give it to me. Bring it to the feet. I want to give you healing. I want to give you restoration. And I remember when Greg and I even began to think about pastoring a church because there was no way I was going to be a pastor's (laughs) wife ever in a million years. Never, ever. Never say that. (laughs) I learned the hard way home. Here we are. (laughs) But I remember thinking, okay, God, if I 
am ever a pastor's wife, I am never going to sugarcoat the things that are hard. Yep. Because what, do, what good does that do? Yep. If we become a church that sugarcoats the things that are hard, yep. I want to embrace the struggle of life. Life is not easy. We are all messy. We all have things that we struggle with. We all have things that we carry. But we serve a God so much bigger than us that's yep. like, man, you're welcome yep. to the table. Yep. Yep. You're welcome to the table. You get to decide, though, am I going to lay it down? Am I going to lay my life down for him? And that's going to be a really crucial time in your life. I know for me it is. There is no way I would be sitting here if it wasn't for the grace of God. It's great. It's great. Yeah, you can get it. So we talk about this whole idea. You know, I I love watching Amber's story because as I've, I've had a front row seat to watching this. And the first time she shared some of her story and As I say, being a minister of reconciliation, of sharing what God had done, it was really, really hard. And she's gotten bolder and bolder and bolder because what she has seen is that God's redemptive work in her life paves the way for a redemptive work in other people's lives. And what you'll understand is that the first time you decide to share your story of what God has done in your life, it might not be easy. And that's okay. Because what it does is it, it begins to, that becomes natural. What you begin to see is fruit, good fruit come from you sharing your story. And so what I want to be able to do is come, I always have a big so what at the end of every message. We say, so what, what's the point of this thing? If you forget everything I said, everything Amber said, here is your big so what this morning. It's this. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. I am blessed to be a blessing. Amber was blessed to be a blessing. You in Christ are blessed to be a blessing. Why do so many churches become toxic? They forget their purpose and they turn inward. Why do so many believers become toxic? They forget their purpose and they turn inward. Okay? Remember, when anything is all about you, it will rot. It will ultimately decay. All of this good stuff that we've got, all the good news of Jesus, if it becomes all about us and we turn inward, it actually will destroy you. But you have not been blessed so we can sit around and just sing songs about how awesome God must be that he loves us because we're so great, or we sit around and we just celebrate what he's done only for us. No, we must also be a blessing to those around us who desperately need the same message we do. Because there are people in your life, just like Amber, who was in a place of utter brokenness and lostness, there are people you know right now experiencing that. And will we be a minister of reconciliation? Will we be one who shares the hope of what Christ has done in our life? Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5. He said, we, we are the salt of the world. He said, we, we are the light of the world said shine you don't cover the light up you don't hide the light no you share the light of what God is doing in your life okay we have not received the good news to sit on it we've received the good news to share it and if we miss this hear this if we miss this we've literally missed the very heart of God John 3 16 you could all quote it for God so loved the world that he gave his heart's desire was to reach and to a lost and broken world to what is it reconcile the world to himself in Christ that's what he's doing that's his desire as a pastor uh, I've had the privilege sometimes it's it's hard but I've had the privilege of being with people at the end of their lives I've watched people who have been sick in the last few weeks of their life I've been with people just hours before they passed away and in that room, when I'm talking to these people, you know, you know what we don't talk about? Stupid stuff that doesn't matter. 
They only want to talk about stuff that matters. They know they don't have much time left. They want to share things that matter. It increasingly gets more important as they draw near to their end. Jesus, we hear exactly what he shared. He was nearing the end of his time with his believers, with his followers, right? And we, we get the end of his story at the beginning of the book of Acts. And Jesus is just about to ascend into heaven. And he's talking to his followers. And he says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, but you, followers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He gives them, this is the most important. You forget everything. It was like Jesus was given the big so what of his entire ministry. If you forget everything else that I have said to you people over the last three years, here's what you need to remember. You're gonna go be my witnesses. And my favorite word is witness, witness. Why? You know what he didn't call you to be? He did not call you to be the prosecuting attorney. That you've gotta go into every fight and like, I'm going to prove this thing. I'm going to get, no, no, no. You're not called to be the prosecuting attorney. You did not called to, be called to be the defense attorney. Like I got to defend everything. If I can't defend, oh no, I failed Jesus because I didn't defend him. Listen, he can defend himself. You're not called to be the defense attorney. You are called to be a witness. Set yourself free. What's a witness? A witness doesn't, doesn't have to do anything. They don't have to contract. They just simply say, here's what I saw. Here's what I heard. This is what I've experienced. And every one of us, it doesn't matter how much spiritual training you have, how you're like, oh, Amber, you're so awesome. Of course you can tell your story because you know all the stuff. Doesn't matter. Every one of us have what we need to become a witness to be a witness of what God has done in our life, of the restorative and the redemptive and the reconciliation that he has done in our lives. We can share that. We can be a minister of reconciliation simply by proclaiming that. But so often, what do we do? God saved us. We sit on our butts and do nothing with it. Listen, God is inviting you into something. He's inviting you to say, listen, it's not about you. Listen, if you make it about you, it's going to kill you. It's going to rot. It's going to become toxic. As a church here, if it becomes about us, we're shutting the doors, okay? Just know that ahead of time because this is going to kill us. It will destroy all of us. But we have been invited into something great where we get to be blessed, to be a blessing, to share the hope of Christ with the world around us. He's done something in my life, and I know he's done something in your life. All we got to do is share it. That's what he's inviting us to do. I want you to think about something just for a moment. I want you to think about somebody that you know that doesn't know Jesus. Like you know, they don't know Jesus, okay? Now I want you to zero in a little bit more to somebody you know that doesn't know Jesus and that you love and have a relationship with in some way, okay? You care about them. Now I want you to ask yourself the pivotal question, have you ever shared your story with them? Have you ever, been, ever shared the story of how God has reconciled you to himself in Christ? I think for a lot of us, when we answer that question, like, eh. And I think a lot of times we can think, well, I, I, don't, want, I don't want to make things awkward. You know? Listen, that person that you love, that you care about, apart from Christ, has no hope. Things might look good on the outside, just like for Amber, it looked all good on the outside, but she was hopeless apart from Christ. And that person is experiencing the exact same thing. A hundred years from now, the only thing that matters is their relationship with God. That's it. Are you going to be willing to say, God, I'll be a witness. I don't have all the answers. 
I don't know all the, the arguments. I, you don't need to do that. Can I be a witness of God's reconciling work in my heart and be a minister of reconciliation to share the hope that in Christ, God is reconciling man to himself, doing what we could never do for ourselves? Will we do that? You know, in a few weeks, we have the opportunity to do this through baptism. We're actually having baptisms on November 14th. And if you are interested in being baptized, some of you have never proclaimed in front of your family. This might be one of the greatest opportunities for you to begin to invite some family and say, I'm going to go get baptized. I want you to all come know exactly what's going on in my life. Uh, there's a class on the 7th if you want to be a part of this. But I believe that every one of us is called to this. And so I want to leave us with our big so, or our challenge here this morning. I want to give us a very practical, and it's this. In your life, who has never heard your story of reconciliation? Look for an opportunity to share it. To share it. That person that you love, that you care about. Think about it. Let's just share it. Remember the first time, it's going to be awkward and hard. Then it gets easier because you begin to see how God can work through your story to redeem someone else's story. And that's good news for everyone. I invite you uh, just to pray with me if you would. I want to I pray two things. I want to pray, number one, for those people that you are thinking about, that God would start preparing their hearts to hear your story. And two, I want to pray for those of us to have courage to share that story that we would be a part of God's reconciling work in the world. And there's some of you here this morning, it's possible that you have never experienced reconciliation with God. I'm gonna be standing right here at the end of this service. And if that's you, I want you to come talk to me because I would love to be able to pray with you and invite you into a new journey and spiritually, okay? Would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much, God, that you have done a work on our behalf that we cannot. As, as the world has sought to, to make themselves right before God, you came and look down, not with uh, anger and frustration, but to look down with love and to say, I will do what they cannot do. We thank you for that, God. I, God, I pray for the people in our lives that we love that don't know you. Jesus, I pray right now that you would begin to burden our hearts for them, but God, I pray that their hearts would start to be opened, that you'd start to prepare their hearts to, to be receptive of the gospel, God. At the end of the day, it's not our job to save people. It's our job to proclaim the hope of Christ and to see you do the work. And so God, we pray that you would do that work in their hearts. And Lord, I pray for us as followers, God, you would give us the courage and the boldness to speak this story, not to try and defend every theology point, but to simply share the story of what God has done in our life, that we would share this message of hope that others would hear about it and respond to you, Jesus. God, we desperately need you to be at work, God. God, and I pray that for us, we, we just repent of the times that we've been complacent about this. We just don't do anything. We're lazy when it comes to this. God, would you forgive us? Lord, help us just to, to walk more and more in the way you would call us to. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.